I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to our planet, all of our perspectives shift when we become parents. Our world is no longer ours. It's our responsibility to preserve it for our future generations. Which is why I'm always interested in hearing about new, sustainable products. Think about deodorant, the amount of plastic that is thrown away needlessly every time we finish one. Wild is a natural, sustainable, vegan deodorant that is single-use plastic-free and cruelty-free as well. The deal is that you buy a case which is made from aluminium and designed to last for life. You can even choose to personalise it with your name and choose from five colours. All you change are the refills, which are fully biodegradable and home compostable, and I can tell you they smell amazing. Even better, the packaging it arrives in is plastic-free and it can fit through your letterbox. So if you're up for trying something new, making a small but important step to help our planet, go wild today and get yourself this natural refillable deodorant that genuinely works. You can order now by going to wearewild.com and you'll get 20% off your first order when you use the code PARENTHOOD at checkout. That's all capital letters, all one word. So that's wearewild.com and code PARENTHOOD at checkout for 20% off. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. When we become parents, we become even more aware of the future of our planet. We now, after all, have a vested interest in its long-term future. But becoming a parent also comes with a time of increased consumption. Our incontinent babies need nappies, wipes, toys and birthday parties. For many parents, there's a need to simply make life as easy as possible, regardless of the cost to our planet. My guest today acknowledges how hard-pressed parents can be, but also believes that parents today are able to make small changes that don't make their lives any more difficult, but that have a huge impact on our consumption. Jen Gale describes herself as an ordinary knackered mum. Her life changed after she challenged her family to buy nothing new for a year, thereby realising that being sustainable-ish is the today's good enough. Jen, thank you so much for joining me. I absolutely love your sentiment because I think so often when it comes to sort of consumption, there's this idea that you're either perfect or there's just, you don't need to bother with it at all. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I think, yeah, as you say, I think around consumption, around all things sustainability and eco, there's very much this idea that there's this green ideal, this green stereotype, this amazing eco warrior or whatever that maybe we may not even aspire to, but that that's what we've got to be. And that if we're going to make a difference, we've got to go off grid and uh, give up the car and give up flying and knit our own yogurt and all those sorts of things. And that's quite off-putting. <laughs> it is. And I think that's a real shame because there is often a real barrier to, um, you know, even making small changes in that unless you can be perfect, there's no point in many making any kind of changes at all. And I think that's, you know, that that I'm surprised that not more parents are massively passionate about the changes they can make, because obviously, you know, now is the time more than any that um, that that we do need to make changes for future generations that we're now sort of invested in. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It's so, I mean, parenting is hard. Parenting in the last year has been off the charts hard. Um, so I can completely empathise and understand why um, it can feel like yet another thing to sort of another stick to beat yourself with another, um, you know, the straw maybe that broke the camel's back in that I'm just about paddling furiously to keep us all afloat here. And you're going to hand me another plate that I've got to spin and I've got to keep um, afloat. And it's very 
easy um, to think that, well, you know, if, if it was that bad, surely the government would be responding in the same way they've responded to the coronavirus emergency. Surely if it was that bad, businesses wouldn't be allowed to do X, Y and Z. So um, I think we there's a bit of a chicken and an egg thing. We sort of find ourselves waiting for them to act like it's an emergency before we kind of feel like maybe we should be doing something as well. And it's huge and it's overwhelming and it's daunting. So in some respects, it is easier to just sort of, you know, put the blinkers on one foot in front of the other. Let's just get through today. Let's just get through this year. Um, and suddenly, you know, five, six, seven years have passed and we're like, oh, yeah, we probably should have done a few bits. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is this idea that it's almost too frightening a possibility to engage in and that proposition that our planet is in real danger is something that's almost too scary to engage in for a lot of parents. You know, there's so much anxiety anyway when it comes to parents. You know, we don't want our children to fall down the stairs or get meningitis. And then the idea, sort of engaging with the idea that, you know, we're doing irreparable harm to our planet is often something that is too scary for us even to consider. And I think the negative of that is that people think, well then I'm just not going to think about it. And that means you're not going to do anything positive. But actually, I, I personally find it really empowering to make small changes to that will impact the planet positively, because there's nothing more scary than feeling powerless. And yeah. I think by making small changes, it makes you understand that you are powerful as an individual, you might be a small cog in a large mm. wheel, whatever you say, but at least you're making a difference. And that goes for our children as well. Definitely. And I think, as you said, it's huge, it's overwhelming, it's hugely anxiety inducing. I mean, I find, um, you know, there's been some brilliant documentaries and things on in the last year, lots of um, the Attenborough documentaries have really sort of focused on the climate crisis and things. And, you know, I will sit there and watch them and get to the end and just go, oh, like, and you do feel really, you almost need them to go, okay, so now this is what you need to get up off the sofa and go and do, because it's hugely disempowering. You're left feeling quite hopeless and um, and powerless, but actually we have a huge amount of power as individuals and as families in the choices that we make and in making our voices heard as well. And it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to mean turning our lives upside down. And, you know, as I said earlier, sort of going and living off grid and issuing all the nice things. And um, it, it can be some really simple things like switching your energy supplier, um, things like that, that will really have a big impact. And, you know, you can probably do them in an ad break if you really put your mind to it. Um, but yeah, I, un I can completely understand that anxiety. I completely understand that subconscious, I think, um, desire to look away and to pretend that it's not pretend that it's not happening, but wait for the government or for businesses to wake up and to do something about it. But th that anxiety, I think, exactly as you've just said, the sort of antidote to that is that action. And it doesn't matter how small it is. And I think this is how we can um, help our children as well, because they eco anxiety is a more and more recognised thing. And especially in in our children and our young people. And if we can sort of model to them the things that we're doing to help and to point out all the other people around the world doing amazing things, then I think that helps to empower them and to, to see the part that they can play as well. There's also a concern, I think, amongst many people that being kind of environmentally friendly has a cost to it, as in it, it actually costs mm. more money to buy the kind of... I mean, you look at organic food, organic vegetables are more expensive than non-organic things. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's true or is that uh, not true? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, things like organic food, things like sustainable fashion, they they are more expensive. Um, and the question, I guess, is are they too expensive or is the other stuff too cheap? 
do you know and it's and and I absolutely understand that when you're on a budget you know somebody just flippantly saying to you oh we'll just buy an organic veg box that's like well actually I'm just scraping together trying to get enough but um and so I guess then the responsibility on those people that can afford to make those changes becomes maybe even a bit greater um the what we're seeing here is the that that our food system and our fashion system is kind of quite broken and that the price that we're paying at the till and at the checkout isn't 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 the true cost um and actually the cost is being paid by the people in the um supply chains by the farmers by the workers um or by the planet and actually that in order to re, uh, to produce you know quality things that aren't harming the planet and where everybody's being paid a fair wage it does cost a little bit more so um but then there, on the flip side of that, there are loads of things around sustainable living that will um, save you money because at the very crux of it is buy less of the crap you don't need, make it last for longer, all those sorts of things. So actually buying secondhand, um, buying less, um, you know, so maybe when we're thinking about meat, so buying less, but buying better quality. So maybe that's where you do save up for the organic and you have it less often. Um and just keeping our things in use for longer, reusing things, all those kinds of things. I mean, reducing food waste. Apparently, the average family spends £700 a year on food that just gets thrown away. So if you can reduce your food waste, that's going to make a massive difference to you as well. So um, yes and no, it is more expensive. And I think because we, uh, it can be more expensive, but it can be, um, I think those costs can be kind of evened out. But I think some of the issue is that because we live in this consumer society, when we start a new job or we have a new baby, we're like, okay, I, I need to go and buy a new outfit or I need to buy all these things for the baby or you start a new hobby and you need to... So you're like, okay, I'm going to be a bit more eco. What do I need to buy? I need to buy... And that's how we sort of... Um, that's that's what we associate with doing something differently or doing something new. Whereas actually um, the most sustainable version of anything is the one you've already got, which isn't very Insta-worthy, isn't very um, aspirational, but actually, you know, and almost sometimes sort of doing nothing is the best thing you can do, which feels really difficult. Yeah, I do think, you know, getting things secondhand, borrowing things, this idea that new baby has to have a new everything. I mean, obviously, mm. there are certain things that it is important for them to have new. I mean, there's data to show that, you know, mattresses ideally shouldn't be secondhand. Mm. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you can still buy the mattress new, but buy the cot secondhand or buy the, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And, you know, that will save money, save and also save on packaging. You know, everything that yes. comes new just comes with such a huge amount of packaging. And, and it's usually made in a different continent, too. So there's the sort of shipping involved so yeah. even just going to go into your charity shop or, or or even just calling around your friends I mean let's face it most of us have got some Moses basket in the attic yes. or you know yeah. the kind of that that pram that they first you know lie in for the first what six weeks or yes. so of their lives but it usually cost as much as the whole pram that bassinet mm -hmm. thing be delighted to lend it or even give it to someone yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you've timed it right and all your friends have already done their sort of procreating, then, you know, you might um, hit lucky and, like you said, be able to get an awful lot of stuff either very, very cheaply or for free. But um, NCT sales, as and when they're allowed back in, are a brilliant place to, you know, you can get big bundles of baby clothes and all kinds of stuff that people are just grateful for you to be taking off their hands because it's taking up so much room. Um, and, uh, you know, Facebook Marketplace, all those kinds of things. And then the other thing is that um, increasingly there are more and more more options for borrowing or sort of renting things so you can rent baby clothes now you can rent buggies you can rent your kids bikes you can rent their toys all kinds of things and that's just reducing the amount of clutter that's coming into your into your house and you're having to find space to store and then the energy to try and deal with once they've grown out of it and from a cost point of view does broadly speaking renting stuff generally cost more or, or is it the same or is it cheaper than buying the stuff um, I think there's a toy subscription website called Whirly and um, you take out an, either a monthly or an annual subscription and they they reckon that the average child is bought 300 or £350 worth of toys a year. And I heard that and I thought, no way. I was all smug and like, we don't spend that much on our children. But when you think about Christmas and birthdays and the presents that relatives are giving them and all those kinds of things. Um, so then, yeah, suddenly when you start to look at a subscription that's maybe £10 a month, you're like, oh, actually, that's that's actually really quite good value and I'm not having to deal with all this other stuff and some of the clothes subscriptions websites as well there'll be um some of the like really gorgeous organic ethical brands that maybe we might sort of um balk a little bit at the price because we think oh you know they're, they're probably only going to be in it six months but you can get all these lovely gorgeous um brands um at a fraction of the cost and then as you said as I said you don't have that like oh I've got to try and 
book a slot at the NCT sale or to do this to try and pass it on and get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first became a mother, I remember one of the things I noticed the most was that our, the amount of rubbish that we produced, the amount of black mm. bin bags that came out of our house and was collected you know, every week by the dustman increased massively. I'm presuming that's broadly speaking because of nappies. Yes. Yeah, I think the stats are that if you've got a baby in nappies, up to 50% of your rubbish, of your landfill waste will be nappies and, you know, presumably associated wipes and all that sort of thing. So um, I completely understand that reusable nappies can feel really daunting, especially with a new baby when you're just just about managing to keep it alive and, uh, you know, snatch some sleep where you can and that sort of thing. So with all of these changes, the whole thing that I talk about the whole all the time is that none of them have to be all or nothing. So, you know, whilst you're finding your feet, we did this with our first, we waited until he was about two or three months until we could kind of vaguely start to lift our heads up and breathe and then started looking into reusable nappies. Um, and we ours were in disposables at night. They were in disposables when we were on holiday. I think they might have even been um, in disposables in um, preschool and all, you know, when they were uh, at nursery and that sort of thing. So and that's absolutely fine. It's just trying to find constantly trying to find ways that work for you, for your kids, for your family um, that isn't going to create a rod for your own back and you're going to end up absolutely hating everything. <laughs> and tell me from someone who's used both, mm-hmm. are the reusables a lot more of a hassle than the disposables or is that in our minds? No, I think that's in our minds. And and maybe we think about um, dispo- um, sorry, reusables as, um, you know, we might remember our parents talking about them and as these sort of terry toweling things with these big plastic uh, liners. And our parents might look at us slightly horrified if we're saying we're thinking about reusables. But there are so many different designs now and they literally do look like a, a disposable nappy. You put them on in the same way, you take them off in the same way. And once you get it, I mean, you're washing, you know, a lot anyway when you've got um small kids so it's 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 not a massive issue to add another load every couple of days to that um so you kind of get into a routine it's it's one of those things that i think it's the the idea of it is often more daunting than than the actual reality and and in some respects the the fact that there is so much choice and so many different varieties now almost makes it more daunting and overwhelming because you think well i just want someone to tell me like this is what i need and this is what will fit and this is how it works and but actually, you can probably find that person if you have a look online and see if you've got a local uh, nappy library near you, because there will be somebody you can actually speak to and they will take you through all the different options and they will help you. You can often borrow um, a sort of set to get you started so you can work out what you like. Or, do you know, if even when, um, well, hopefully when toddler groups and things are allowed to open it up again and, and you see somebody there changing their baby and they've got a reusable nappy, just be brave and just go up and go, oh, I've been really wanting to try these, but I'm a bit daunted and a bit overwhelmed would you mind just telling me how how you're getting on with it? And they will probably love to tell you exactly all about that. So um, that can really help make it feel much less much less daunting. Because the other thing I think people find daunting about reusables is that there's often a quite significant upfront cost because you're essentially mm-hmm. buying all the equipment and all the, the kind of reusables yeah. that you need. And that can be potentially hundreds of pounds, can't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then if you think, well, I'm investing, and then if it doesn't work, then suddenly I've invested yes. all this money in these nappies that aren't working for me. I, I get that that is potentially another barrier for people to sort of dip their toe into the sort of reusable market. Yeah, definitely. So some a lot of councils now will have a money off voucher that they will give you um, for reusing, for trying out reusables. Um, like I said, if you have a nappy library near you, you can probably, if you can't find one easily online, ask your local NCT and they might know. Um, and they uh, they will have, um, like I said, these sort of trial sets for you. They'll help you work out which ones work for you. Um, there is a massive, this sounds really weird, but there is a massive secondhand market in reusable nappies. Um, so you can always have a look, try out some different brands secondhand and see which ones you like. Um, and you don't have to go full in with a full set that will see you through day and night for um, you know, a week or whatever to to start with. You can just buy a couple, see how you get on, see if you like those ones. If you don't like them, there is this secondhand market. You can resell them on quite easily. Um, so you can break down that initial cost and um, make it more doable, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, obviously nappies aren't the only disposables that we use. Nappy wipes, baby wipes are kind of... I mean, I remember going through packets and getting mm. them delivered by the box load. And obviously they're not degradable. They're made of plastic, I believe. Yeah, I think it's um 
I just assumed before I knew any better, as you said, that they were they were paper and they were degradable and we'd sort of put them in the rubbish and they'd disappear into nothing. But they are the vast majority of them are plastic. Um, there are more and more coming out that are paper based and um, therefore should um, be sort of uh, compostable or break down a bit more easily. But the I genuinely think, and I, I know I probably would say this, but reusable wipes is is actually a pretty easy swap, definitely for hands and faces and things. And Yeah, for, after they've um, eaten when they have like yeah. purees smeared all over themselves. Yes, yeah. exactly, and all over everywhere. But it's just, it's you know, we they've become so ubiquitous. You have wipes for everything now, don't you? And so it's just easy to have that packet on the on the side and in the changing bag. But um, so just start with that to start off with, some um, flannels or something by the side that you can use and you can just chuck straight in the washing machine and then actually if you are thinking about it for nappies even if you're using disposable nappies um reusable wipes are really really doable there's um, a brilliant company called cheeky wipes that have these um, sort of whole kits you can buy and they have a, a clean box and a dirty box and a mesh bag and you don't even have to touch it and you just sort of put it all in um and it works really well and is you know it's designed to make it as easy as it can possibly be and again you know if you're sort of finding it a bit freaking you out a bit the thought of well what do i do when i go out and about well you know halve your use of um disposable wipes and just use them when you're going out and use the reusable ones at home just find a way that works for you and obviously wet wipes are wet flannels mm-hmm. aren't wet presumably yeah. there's a you spray how, how do you do that when you're out and about um so i th- i remember asking my mum this and her just looking at me really blankly i mean we used to um we had one of those little i think we must have got it free at some point like a little thin wipes case that you can take out that you can put in your changing bag so i had one of them i would just wet some before we go out um and just put that put the um the ones in there and then you can get all kinds of um wet bags that you can take out with you and they have a clean section and a dirty section and um or you can just take a little um you know a little mini reusable bottle of some water or whatever you want it's you know there are ways around it and it's really you know if you're out for the whole day then maybe you sort of think, oh, we're going to really get through someone. I'll just chuck a bag in. Um, but it is much more doable than than you think it's going to be. And what about, I mean, I know there are increasingly brands that um, claim their disposable nappies are biodegradable. How biodegradable are they? How much of a green option is that? Because on the face of it, you're like, well, this is the best of both worlds. It's totally mm. biodegradable and yet it's disposable. It's good for the planet and it's easy for me to... How uh, is, is, is that just marketing or is that actually a really good sustainable option? It's really, really difficult. The problem we get is that this... Um, this term biodegradable, this term compostable doesn't have any legal definition. So some, so a company can say something's biodegradable and all it means is it will break up. It will break up into smaller pieces. When we think of biodegradable or compostable, we think, um, you know, it will it will go into landfill and it will just break down into nice, lovely, rich soil that they can harvest and use for compost or something like that. And that's not... Um, that's not what happens and that's not the way that landfill works because um, landfill is this sort of um, environment where there's no oxygen things just sort of ferment rather than sort of rotting and breaking down and they produce a lot of methane which is um, you might have heard about people talking about that in terms of like cows burping and farting and things like that and it's quite a potent greenhouse gas so um, when things go to landfill I mean there was this I'm such a geek there was this documentary called I think it was called The Secret Life of Landfill on the BBC a couple of years ago and they and they went and they were digging out old landfill sites and they were taking out newspapers from the 1980s that were still completely readable. So something that we think is inherently really sort of biodegradable and will break down and, and they were just completely undamaged. They were taking out clothes that you could have just washed and worn. So the problem is that um, these these things just won't break down in um in landfill particularly. In Wales, there is a nappy recycling company. So a lot of the local councils in Wales are signed up to this scheme and you can literally put your nappies out, you know, curbside collection, a company will come and collect them. I don't even want to think about what happens in the recycling process, but that is technically possible. Um, You can get, somebody said to me as well that they actually composted their nappies. They had twins and they composted their nappies. I, I don't even know um, how they managed to do that. Um, and I think you probably need to be a pretty skilled composter to do it. Um, so to kind of answer your question, if you want something that's going to break down in um, 
you know, that you can just chuck in the bin and have a clear conscience, that probably isn't um, a, air quotes, biodegradable nappy. Having said that, they can be a more eco-friendly option because a lot of the materials that they use to make them, um, there's often less plastic in them. There's often um, sort of forestry certified wood pulp and things like that. So they can be a greener option in the sort of um, uh, ingredients, if you like, or the, the things that are going into them. But in the way that they um, tend to act in landfill, I sadly I think it's probably pretty much the same as a regular one and obviously all of us who are aware of the planet are very aware of kind of plastic and trying to produce as less a little plastic as possible when I look back to when my children were small our sort of the amount of plastic that was in our house Mm. increased massively and largely that was those toys you know the sort of mini kitchen that you get that's totally plastic and the you know I called it the circle of neglect that thing that you plonk your child in and it's just a really fun place to stay and the, the mobiles and everything is is sort of plastic and obviously I remember thinking oh I'll just get lovely wooden scandy coloured sort of beauty coloured toys and of course my children are like no I want the plastic fantastic (laughs) primary colour lighting up kind of mirror jingle jangle piece Um, and obviously you don't want to deprive your child of important skills that they develop while playing with these toys but it's also um, a bit difficult because suddenly there is a huge amount of plastic fine it's not single use but it's still Mm. used for a relatively short amount of time what are our options there if we wanted to decrease the amount of plastic in our houses so i would definitely um it's not necessarily decreasing the amount but buying second hand will you know as you said these these items aren't single use they're they're made of plastic because plastic is brilliant and durable and will last a long time and is easy to clean and all those sorts of things. So absolutely checking out eBay, checking out the charity shops when they open again. And obviously then when you're done with it, passing it on either to friends or family who've got um, babies younger than yours or passing it on back to the charity shops and that sort of thing. Um, And then I mentioned early earlier this toy subscription website. So they have toys on there from literally, you know, newborns, so the rattles and the mobiles and um, all the way up to about um, eight or ten. So they have, you know, the Nerf guns and all those sorts of things that the older kids like. Um, They have um, outside toys. They have slides, you know, little slides. They'll have paddling pools in the summer, all those kinds of things. And um, the idea is that you pay a, a, a subscription to them and these the kids or you pick the toys that they want. They play with them, they get bored with them, you send them back and this cycle continues. So actually, it's a really lovely gift idea, I think, for grandparents and things who maybe my mum was awful. She would always bring something for the children when she came or whenever it was any kind of, um, you know, Easter, they wouldn't just get an Easter egg. They'd get various toys and things as well. And actually saying to her, look, could you, could you do this? And then we can do little unboxing videos or we can send her pictures of them, you know, opening the, the boxes and playing with the toys and that sort of thing. And she gets to feel like she's giving them something. They have the excitement of the new stuff. And then you don't have all the clutter and plastic in your house to deal with afterwards. And it's the kind of gift that keeps on giving, you know, new toys yeah, every six months. That's amazing. Well, I think you can do it every month. You know, you can literally replace them as frequently as every month. So they can, if there's something that hasn't hit the spot and they've just discarded after a couple of days, send it back and get something else. Yeah, I remember buying my son a rocking horse for his first birthday and he never sat on it. Literally <laughs> never. And then my daughter came along. She's like, no, nah, not interested. <laughs> This great big, it was a really expensive rocking horse so that looked really beautiful. No one was sort of turned into an eyesore of my house, and so I'm like, yeah. oh, the worst toy ever. Draping the washing on it to dry. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. One of the times when I'm so aware of the amount of kind of rubbish um, is when they have their parties, mm. you know, and you, I mean, I've never been to a party where there weren't sort of paper plates that, you know, are often coated in a bit of plastic. And the sort of, I remember like bringing along like a whole roll of black plastic bags and it would just be full of the balloons and the party poppers and the tableware and the uh, food to be honest too because let's face no one eats at parties well how can we make I mean obviously we don't want to not give them birthday parties that's an important part that they really look forward to you don't want to be the kind of captain no fun mum but how can we uh, you know decrease that sort of uh, sustainable footprint um, sustainability footprint in when it comes to parties yeah, it is really difficult, isn't it? And there's that pressure, um, whether we put it on ourselves or we feel it's society to, you know, to have a really big party. And often they might be whole class parties with 30 kids. And you think, oh, God, I haven't got enough plates. And so that's why we resort to the paper plates and we can get them themed and all that sort of thing. And you think, oh, well, it's just one bag of rubbish. But actually, that bag of rubbish is times by... 30 kids each time they have a party and uh, by however many classes in the school and all that kind of thing. And it's easy to see how this just one bag of rubbish per party really does add up. So um, a brilliantly simple solution is something called a, a reusable party kit. 
So there's an amazing organisation called Party Kit Network. And if you have a look online um, and you should be able to, they've got a, a map, I think, or you can put your postcode in and you can find out if there's one near you. And you basically pay a small fee. I think it's a tenner, most of them. Um, and you get all the cups, plates, bowls, beakers, jugs. Uh, off. Some of them will have tablecloths. Lots of them will have bunting. Um, some of them will have decorations. And you can just uh, rent that for the day. Some of them will even do the washing up for you if you pay a small extra fee for them to, you know, if you really don't think, oh, after two hours with screaming kids, the last thing I want to do is wash this lot up. Uh, they will do the washing up for you. Lots of them will put in um, compostable food waste bags. So you just put all your food waste in there and they will deal with that for you. Like it really is um, a sort of eco party in a box, really. It's just such a lovely... And it's such a beautifully simple solution. I think a lot of um, some PTAs at schools have started doing it as a bit of a money spinner. And obviously they've got a captive audience of of mums and things there. Um, and the other thing that some of them will do, which I just think is genius, is they have these reusable pass the parcel bags. So instead of being up the night before the party, battling with wrapping paper, or even if you've decided to use newspaper and sellotape and all these bloody layers, you can... Um, they have these little, like often there'll be drawstring bags or they'll have poppers on um, in, you know, starting off with a teeny one and going all the way up to a big one. And in the littlest one, there'll be this little like a little prize, a little wooden medal or something like that. And and you literally just they, they rent that out as well. And you can literally just rock up on the day. Here you go, kids, knock yourself out with that. And you don't have to don't have all that paper to then try and recycle if it is recyclable or um all that headache I think of trying to wrap all that stuff beforehand so loads of great options definitely yeah and I remember actually when my children were little um buying spending a little bit of money on a really nice banner happy birthday Mm. banners like um I found these really lovely sort of paper decorations that almost look like balloons that you sort of open up and you can tie them to the ceiling and they sort of look like balloons and I must have bought them now 10 years ago but actually between me and my kids um and you know the cousin there's like five birthdays every year and the Mm. dog of course we celebrate her birthday as well um and actually these things just get brought out every year the same happy birthday banner the same of these sort of paper decorations and so actually even if you sort of think i don't have the energy for sort of renting you could just say Mm. do you know i'll go on to etsy and buy something that's maybe a bit nicer and a bit more sustainable but i'm going to make sure that i use this and and actually then it becomes a bit nostalgic out comes the birthday banner Absolutely. It becomes this kind of tradition, doesn't it? And I talk in the book about baby showers and and again, this idea of having reusable decorations for them. And I just think it's such a lovely idea that maybe the decorations that you used at your child's baby shower are then coming out year on year to celebrate their birthday. And as you said, it's this real sort of, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I remember when you used to have these things and um, just that real part of your family's tradition around birthdays and things. Well, a bit like we do with Christmas decorations. You know, we bring out the same one, you know, year in, year out out um yeah definitely uh, when it comes to food, I'm also aware that um, there's probably a lot that we can do. I mean, for a start, there's so much waste in terms of food on the table. But I'm also aware that our food consumption as a sort of global population is one of the leading, um, you know, uh, damaging effects on on the world. Mm. What I mean, obviously, we can't sort of underfeed our children. And there is a sort of added complexity to weaning and fussy yes. eaters and all of that. <laughs> Are there any small changes we can make when it t- comes to kind of of food preparation and serving food that um, can have a significant kind of positive effect on our consumption? Yeah, I mean, food waste is a massive issue. Um, if it was, if food waste was a country, it would be the third biggest emitter of um, greenhouse gases after the USA and China. So it's massive. And uh, somewhere between 50 and 70% of food waste occurs in the home, in our homes. Um, So this is something that we really do have power over. We can really sort of take some control on. And I know it's difficult with little ones and fussy ones and all that sort of thing. But meal planning can be really great. And I know it's boring and I know it's grown up and it's dull and tedious. But it can, you know, it can save you probably like a third on your food bill if you're really sensible about it. And if you almost flip your, your meal planning so that you have a look in the fridge before you do your meal plan to see what needs you using up to see what you can incorporate make a new meal out of some bits and pieces of leftovers and then make your shopping list um, rather than just sort of going shopping and then realizing there's all this stuff shoved at the back of the fridge um having an eat me first box in the fridge is really helpful so that all the yogurts that are going to go out of date or you know any leftovers from last night's tea or whatever can go in there and and everybody knows that that's got to be eaten first 
Um, and then in terms of um, sort of reducing food waste at the table, I think portion control is is really huge. And I think it's very easy to, you know, we want our children to eat, don't we? It's a sign of love, you know, feeding them. Um, so maybe I think we do quite often overface them with meals and they, they have they have too much on their plate and we're a bit unrealistic about what maybe a three-year-old or a five-year-old might be expected to eat um so maybe you can just have everything in the middle and let them help themselves and you know obviously encourage them to be a bit adventurous and to try but um they can always come back for seconds if they absolutely scoffed something and um are still hungry they can always come back for seconds um and then you know we always i i tend to deliberately overcook a little bit so that my husband has some lunch to take into work the next day or if there are leftovers on the plate that the kids haven't touched i just sort of scrape them into a tupperware box for somebody to have the next day and and don't worry too much about it yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other big thing is sort of in terms of food waste is the best before dates, which, mm. you know, often I, I get sort of online deliveries and very often, you know, you pick something, you're like, oh, my God, that chicken goes off in like three days time. But yeah, it's a mistake to think it goes off just because of the best before date says three days time. Am I correct? Yeah, well, best before dates and used by dates tend to be two different things. So best before dates will be on things like crisps or cereal or stuff that isn't really going to do you any harm if it if it you know goes off. It will probably just go a bit stale or it won't be at its best. So I absolutely ignore best before dates. And, um, you know, if, if the uh, the chances of a packet of crisps going out of date in our house is very, very slim. Yeah, um, and if so, they're a bit stale. Well, you know, yes. it's not, I'm going to give yeah, you yeah, some yeah. gastroenteritis. <laughs> yes. Um, whereas things like, you know, chicken or fish or things will have a, a used by date. Um, and I think maybe especially with things like fresh meat or chicken, um, you do need to be a little bit more careful, but use your senses, you know, especially with things like yogurt or milk. I will, you know, have a look if it's got a bit of mould on it. I won't, I won't, you know, I might just scrape that bit off if it's got um if it smells funny, you know, it's probably not that great. Obviously, milk's got lumps in, not going to be great. Um, but it's using all your senses and using your common sense as well. So if something, if you're pregnant, if you someone in your house is immunocompromised, then you probably do want to be a bit more rigorous and a bit stricter about it. But always remember, you can freeze stuff as well right up to its use by date. So if something comes in your online shop and it, you know, you'd have you'd have reached for the one at the back with the longest date on, but the person picking's just gone with whatever's easiest and it's got a short date on it and you're panicking about what you're going to do with it whack it in the freezer and you know deal with it at the weekend when you've got a bit more time um trying to you know there are lots of things that we can freeze that we don't think about milk cheese even eggs we can freeze so if you are getting a bit panicky you're like oh god i'm not going to have time to use this just whack it in the freezer and buy yourself some time definitely yeah actually i do um when my fruit is kind of going off i'll often pop that in the freezer because actually it's mm. great for smoothies yes um and actually my kids love frozen grapes they just sort of reach and yes. sort of like mini sorbets but that works quite well i mean i just end up not having quite as big a freezer but actually yes. i find the other thing is that you know i use the stuff in my my freezer I have to force myself because it's so much easier just to kind of buy fresh and then use yes. it and then you suddenly find there's more and more stuff accumulating in the freezer mm. so I found especially over lockdown actually when it was more difficult to get food delivery slots and I didn't necessarily want to be going to the supermarket that often um, we ended up properly using the contents of our fridge and yeah. you know my kids I realized it got very spoiled they're like none of the yogurt the flavor of I like is there I'm like well then eat the raspberry one I know it's not your yes. favorite but you know we've got to eat it and if you want yeah. a yogurt have that yogurt and it, it she did make you know surprise me that we could get away with much less food in the house mm. when my children were sort of forced to eat what wasn't necessarily their favorite thing but yes. actually if they're hungry they're going to eat it anyway yeah definitely and I was the same over lockdown I think I I was under the illusion that we were only doing you know when they said you can only shop once a week well, you know try and go out as little as possible oh we only shop once a week anyway and then suddenly the peanut butter or whatever had run out and I'd be like oh, I would normally just pop in on the way back from the school run and, and pick up some more of that. And actually then it was like, oh no, well guys, do you want to have jam or do you want to have something else instead? Because we haven't got any peanut butter until we go shopping next time. And as you say, um, they, they were absolutely fine about it. I think we just, because it's just convenient, isn't it? To pop in and get the bits we need. But we they're, um, they talk about the sort of £10 or £20 bottle of milk, don't they? You pop in for a bottle of milk and then you never just buy the bottle of milk. You end up with all the different things as well. So, um, yeah, trying to be a bit more disciplined about how often you, you go shopping or order your food can be really great. And actually, it's a good opportunity to have the conversation with your children. that like, These things don't just like plop off trees, you know, mm. into your fridge. Actually, if you're looking at your, your yogurt, you know, you've got to think about the milk that was producing that yogurt mm. where it was manufactured the energy and, and actually I find with my children you know they profess to really care about the environment but then they'll leave all the lights on and they'll be yes. like mm, I don't want to don't like the bits in the raspberry yogurt yes. and I'm like 
Well, I think you, what do you care about more? Because you can't yeah. say that you care about the environment and then refuse to eat the, you know, the, the one, the packet you don't like. And actually, I, I being a bit stricter and potentially spoiling them a little less was really good sort of learning curve. And, and I think, you know, if we want to be eco-conscious in ourselves, we need to raise the next generation to be aware mm. of their impact on the environment. And I'm not saying freak them out with sort of stories of impending doom and sort of mm. apocalyptic fires, but just make them understand that just because, you know, the supermarkets delivered all this food, it's not that easy to come from, that there is the sort of monetary cost, but yes. there's also the, you know, the environmental cost of everything that comes through our door. And I think that's very important. Yeah, it's hugely important. And, you know, my kids, I, I sort of naively assumed I'd have these lovely little eco warriors who were, you know, mini Gretas and going on the school strikes and, um, you know, setting up eco committees at school. And I think they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're disengaged, but I think they're just like, that's mum's bag. She's dealing with that. And so, you know, I will say, well, come on, let's cycle to school. And my youngest will just look at me like I'm a complete mad thing. Like, why why would I do that? Well, come on, because it'll, you know, he's like, well, we've got an electric car. Yeah, but that's still contributing to the traffic jam that's contributing to all the other cars sat there with their engines on and that sort of thing. And trying to kind of explain those things, trying to empower them um, to believe that they can make a difference. And that, that you know, I think sometimes... I don't know about you, I'm quite guilty of just doing things and not really explaining them to my kids, like why I'm doing them. Um, I remember getting really cross with everyone because I decided I was going to TerraCycle the um, crisp packets and um, everybody kept putting them in the bin. And then I remembered I hadn't actually told them that we were going to do that. <laughs> um, and just sort of assuming that they have a level of knowledge or that they understand, but actually saying, you know, um, it's important that we try and turn the lights off because um, not only does it cost us money when we leave the lights on, but actually this is using up energy. And, you know, there are there are nice, gentle ways that you can introduce this and ways that you can really sort of put the, the power into their hands. I think um, something like plastic or waste is a really good starting point because they it's very um, visible, whereas, you know, you say turn the lights off because it's causing it's contributing to climate change. Well, I I can't really see the polar bear having extra ice to to stand on when I turn the light off. You know, it's it's difficult for us as adults to grasp. It's really difficult for them, I think. Um, but plastic, we can you know we can see it. We can um, drink from a bottle of water or whatever, and then see an empty bottle in the street. And so actually talking to them about that, talking to them about reusable options, um, doing a litter pick. I mean, I'm such a litter picking fan. Like, um, the guys actually I saw on your Instagram, hadn't you done one recently? Yeah, last and, weekend. Um, they the loved kids, it. Oh, they, they love it. And we got them like, this is how this is how um, lucky my kids are. We got them litter pickers for Christmas. <laughs> But they love it. You know, we go out and um, and we're keeping a, a chart. We're trying to pick the same weight as daddy and litter over the year. And, you know, we'll sort of weigh it when we come back. And you can just start really lovely, gentle conversations with, oh, I wonder where all this litter ends up if people don't pick it up. And, oh, I would like, I wonder... Um, you know, why, why is this sort of, why are we seeing all this packaging in the environment and we're not seeing the paper things? And, you know, where do you think this plastic has come from? Where is it going to go? You know, when we were, um, had I been a better teacher and homeschooler, I would have shoehorned all that sort of stuff into the, into the learning and, you know, bar charts and all these kinds of things of the thing we were, things we were finding. But we can, I think keeping it at their level, keeping it really relatable, keeping it local is really, really useful. And, um, you know, nurturing that love of nature and things when you go out as well. There's a brilliant app called the Seek app that um, World Wildlife Fund do that's a free one. And you can literally take a picture of the bug or the plant or the whatever it is that they found and it will tell you what it is. And um, they they think it's hilarious, you know, trying to take pictures of me and seeing if it comes up as a monkey and things like that, obviously. <laughs> But I think you're right. With the litter pick, uh, we did a competition. So I was like, right, the biggest yeah. thing found, the most bizarre thing found, you know, the most amount of litter picked. And it suddenly turned it into a game. And mm. it let us, you know, engage with, you know, it just amazes me that people still think it's okay to drop litter. But I absolutely yeah. know my children are not going to be in that demographic because mm. they they know what it's like to pick up litter. Yeah. But I, I've got to say, you know, I, I, I definitely hear some parents saying, I am reluctant to engage in the environmental conversation with my children because it is just too scary. And I hate yeah. the idea that they think that we're going to die because we're going to be flooded because mm. of rising sea levels. And I, I personally think that's a real mistake. I think that it is more scary not having the conversation with your children because they're going to hear it. They're going to be exposed yes. to it. And it is understandably going to concern them. And it's really important that, A, they can contextualise it. You know, the fact you can say, listen, you know, we live in Manchester 
it's fine, the sea levels aren't going to get us, that's not what you need to worry about. But here's what you can do. And you might mm. feel like you're a child that's powerless and you don't have a voice. But actually, as a future generation of thinkers and politicians and, and you know, change um, yes. facilitators, you have a huge power. And if you can start by saying, you know, even if all we're doing is increasing what we recycle by 10% or decreasing yeah. the waste that we produce by 10%, or even if we try and improve on it every year, I think that shows children that they are powerful. And one of the greatest fears I think people have is when they don't feel they are powerful. So I think this is yeah. a, such an important conversation to have. Definitely. And, and you know, if we can be modelling that to them the whole time, like, um, you know, oh, I, I, gosh, I look at all this packaging that's come with our um, online shop. Oh, gosh, I, actually, I'm just going to send a quick tweet to whoever it was and just ask them what their what their policies are you know that's just sort of modeling these nice easy things that they can do um but i mean there's a there's an organization called eco schools that um a lot of schools are, are signed up to and it's around um obviously making schools more eco-friendly but about the education and educating our young people and things as well and and they have um this it's very student-led and they get the students to form an eco committee and one of the ideas that they have that when they were doing eco schools at home during lockdown was you know form this family eco committee or when you're having your sunday lunch thing okay what you know um we just watched that documentary the other day and and i think we all found it really quite upsetting um what are the things we're already doing really well as a family um, because that's really important. I think we're really guilty of, of forgetting all the things that we've already done and just beating ourselves up about the things we haven't done yet. So what are the things we're already doing really well? What are the things that we think we should work on, or that we could work on as a family? And then, you know, we almost have this family decision as to um, as to what you might want to tackle first. So it might be that you get everyone um, to do a plastic audit and keep all the plastic in the, from a week and, and then have a look at it. Or it might be that um, you do have this decision that you want to try and cut your car use by 10%. 20% whatever it is but um it's giving them the the some ownership over that as well rather than you being the big baddie who's going uh you can't have fruit shoots because x y and z you know you're going okay so we have a lot of fruit shoots in here what what do we think we might be able to do about that what are some other alternatives that you might be able to think of and you're giving them that ownership and as you said that that anxiety is extremely um makes us feel very powerless and especially as a child there's very little that you have power over so you know brain I sat with my um he was 11 I think at the time we just watched something traumatic and okay what are 10 things that you can do as an 11 year old can you know you can ask school about whether they'd be interested in becoming an eco schools you can do a sponsored litter pick you can do a sponsored bike ride you can um you know we can I'm happy to bike to school with you once a week whatever you want to do and and how you can help them to facilitate that because as you say if we empower them when they're this age they will grow up um just taking that power with them hopefully and ultimately you know as a legacy if we manage to bring up a generation of children who from the moment they start making kind of these decisions about consumption and what they buy are acutely aware of its impact on the environment that is possibly the greatest impact that we could possibly have yeah and you know it is really difficult it's it's countercultural, isn't it, in, in the society that we live in, to say no, to, to not upgrade, to mend something. All those things are, are really um, disrupting the status quo almost. And, and the values that, are, that we and our young people are constantly being bombarded with are around um, wealth, status, symbols, um, you know, things. And actually trying to um, have conversations with them around... Um, advertising around those values that they're sort of insidiously being um sort of led towards and actually you know what what can what what are the values that we do want to um to create with sort of kindness and fairness and all those sorts of things and how can we incorporate a little bit more of that how can we be more conscious and aware of the impact of the things that we're doing because sometimes it is just well this is this is what you do and you go and do it and because we're just not that we're maliciously not thinking we're just busy with other things and we just are on autopilot a lot of the time absolutely and having that conversation between want and need which yes. often often gets confused you know i've realized again during lockdown my kids need far fewer clothes than i imagined <laughs> we need to eat much less than we imagined yeah. you know i realized that my kids you know we need to wash clothes much less than i imagined mm. so you know i I think it's given us sort of purpose to reflect. I think it feels reassuring to overbuy, but actually that's kind of the worst thing to do. And, um, you know, turning that on its head and thinking, well, the old holy jumper that you inherited from your cousin and then his brother before that is actually a much cooler thing to have than the sort of brand new that we often yeah. kind of reach for. 
and it's it's different it's some you know it's got its own unique personality it's got its own story to tell um I had a pair of jeans that I mean I was the world's least crafty person at school you know I have a science background and um I had a pair of jeans that had holes in them and they sort of patched one and then the next one went and um, and they ended up being very visibly mended but they were such a conversation starter. I'd be sat in assembly, you know, and, and somebody next to me, oh, I really like your jeans. And we'd have this lovely conversation about fast fashion and mending and how actually it wasn't as hard as we thought it was going to be. And, you know, you're not just got something off the peg that everybody else has got. You're, again, I guess it's part of sort of um, discovering yourself and, and your values and living those values. Yeah, I sort of discovered to my horror that my sort of workout leggings had like a bit of a hole in the crotch. And I was like, <laughs> but all I do is run. Like no one's going to be looking up there. Yes. So perfectly fine. Absolutely yes. fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And, you know, and actually, if you have got a sewing machine, it can just be as simple as running a line of stitch. So you don't even need a sewing machine. There's a... um a great website called Repair What You Wear and um, she has loads of uh, men's on there for school uniform because, I mean, kids are always chewing the cuffs. What is that all about? Um, you know, uh, and, and hems going and stuff. And she's like, you Moths. literally just need... Yeah, needle and thread and off you go. And she has all these lovely videos and things. And because there's some horrific amount of school uniform ends up in landfill every year because it's got a little hole in it or something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, a, a holy school uniform is a symbol of a white life well led. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, it's been such a pleasure to think, uh, to, to think, to, to talk to you today. Uh, you've really got me thinking about so much that we can be doing and not in a sort of guilt way, um, but in a sort of empowering way. So thank you so much. Um, oh, thank you. I highly recommend Jen's book. It's called The Sustainable-ish Guide to Green Parenting, Guilt-Free Eco-Ideas for Raiding Your Kids. It's uh, out now. It's available from all good bookshops. I think it's definite um, add to your basket. Please do take a look at the book. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us wherever you found this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, time from Jen and me thanks for listening and goodbye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.